Well, good morning, everyone. Happy Father's Day. Welcome to the Downtown Harbor Church. If you're a dad in the room, this is an exciting day for you. Um, if, if you're not a dad in the room, then this is just an ordinary day for you. But I'm a dad, which is exciting. And um, I've had a little one for about um, just almost three years. And so she is um, just the love of our life. And so um, I'm really excited about her. If you just want to, there, there she is right there. And so... Um, She's just the sweetest thing. That her name's Dottie, and so um, we celebrate her today. She gave gifts this morning, which were really nice. But no, um, anyway, happy birthday, happy Father's Day to all the dog dads in the room as well. Anyway, we are kind of smack dab in the middle of this three-week talk conversation series, whatever you want to call it, called "Bless His Heart." And so we're talking about um, this idea that there was a guy, and he might have been in the wrong position in his life. And you may have even heard this expression before, bless their heart, bless his heart, bless her heart. And so we're going to talk about that in just a second. But before we do, let me just pose a question to you for just a quick minute. Um, Do you ever look back at people you went to high school with, and you look back, whether it's on Facebook, or maybe it's even some people in your own family, and the, the gang you used to run around with, and like everybody seems to be doing just the exact same thing that they used to be doing 16, 17 years ago, maybe even longer than that. I don't know if, you'll, if you find that to be true for you, but it's definitely true in my life. Like the same group of guys that like I hung out with in high school are still in the same town with no jobs, right? And they've been in and out of jail. They've had a couple DUIs, and they're trying to figure that out, but they're just really doing the same old thing over and over again. They can't ever seem to just really get it right. They can't seem to get it together. And sometimes Caitlin and I sit around and talk and I'm like, man, do you think that these guys that we used to hang out with or these friends that we used to have, do you think they'll ever get their act together? And the answer is, well, we don't really know. But I thought about that this morning as I was thinking about the guy that we're talking about throughout this message series, and his name is Peter. And I started to ask myself this question as I read through Peter's life and his interactions with Jesus and his interactions with the religious leaders of the time. I I started to ask myself, I was like, do you think this guy will really ever get it together? And we know that eventually he does because some of us know the rest of that story. But as we go through today, it's kind of one of those things where it's like over and over and over and over again, he was just doing the same old thing, screwing up the same old way. And we're going to talk about that. And so we've used this phrase to describe him as a person and who he is. We've used this phrase, bless his heart to go, you know what? He's got the right intentions. My buddies from high school probably have the right intentions. They just keep stepping in mud. They just keep screwing up. They just keep doing things that they know that they shouldn't do. Therefore, they're in the same position. Is Peter ever going to get this right? Bless his heart. So see, the chain of events kind of that are leading up to today's story and what happens are this, is that in the, like, chain of events in the chronological order of events. Remember last week, Jesus saw Peter, on the, he was a fisherman kind of on the sea and said, hey, come and follow after me. Come, I'm going to make you a fisher of men. Come follow my teachings. Peter did. And Peter was with Jesus for a long time, about three years. But then something was about to happen. And those of us who've been around the church for any length of time, we know about these events. If you don't, I'm going to unpack them for you today. But one of the things that we celebrate specifically around Easter time is the death and the resurrection of Jesus, who we believe to be the Messiah, the risen God. And should we say yes to him that we are made right with the creator of the ever-present universe? But in that chain of events of this, in Jesus' and Peter's relationship, Jesus, something was about to happen. Jesus was about to die. 
The one event that our faith is founded on, a lot of people will tell you that our faith is founded on a book, the Bible. We actually believe that the Bible is the inspired word of God, but we don't believe that our faith is founded on that. We believe the Christian faith is founded on an event, the resurrection of Jesus, because for the first number of hundreds of years, followers of Jesus did not have that text. All they had was this event to go on, right? This is the one event that changed and rescued humanity. This one event, the resurrection of Jesus, and Jesus was about to go through this, and he was about to die. And sometimes, as we talk about these events, and sometimes as we look at these events as they happened in the time that they happened, and sometimes we tend to do something. And we should do this, right? This is important. We tend to focus on Jesus and who he is, the risen Messiah. He went and died, and three days later rose again, and he met them at the tomb and talked to us. We, we, we celebrate that, right? But sometimes, based on these events, we tend to do something. We tend to overlook the disciples' role in this event. Now, Peter, the guy we're talking about, bless his heart, was a disciple of Jesus. If you don't know what the word disciple means, it means that he was a follower of Jesus. He was a follower of Jesus physically, followed him around places. He was a follower of the teachings of Jesus, this love your neighbor as yourself movement that Jesus was preaching. Peter was one of those guys who was helping to execute what Jesus was preaching. And sometimes, we tend to overlook the roles that the disciples had in the events leading up to Jesus' death and resurrection. And Peter was there, dare I say, Peter had a big role because Peter had a big one. Peter had a big role in these events. In fact, maybe larger than anybody else. You could argue that Judas, the one who betrayed Jesus, had a pretty big role in it. You could argue that you know, people who were there had a big role. But Peter is documented to have a very large role in the events leading up to the, the death and the resurrection of Jesus. Okay? Let me set, that set the, sets the stage for today. Because Jesus was talking to Peter one day, and he told Peter and the rest of his disciples something. Jesus told Peter that he had to die. Not Peter. But Jesus had to die. Let me, let me tell you what he said. If you have a scripture, you can, as always, open it to Matthew chapter 16, but it will always be on our screens, or you can use any mobile device. But Matthew chapter 16, verses 21, it says this. It says, from that time on, Jesus began to explain to his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things at the hands of the who? The elders, the religious government, the leaders of the time. Jesus goes, guys, come on, come on together. I know we've been, I know we've been together a while. But it's about to come to an end. And I'm going to have to go and suffer so that you all eventually can live, right? The chief priests and the teachers of the law and that he must be killed and on the third day raised to life. So Jesus is telling them. He's foretelling these events. He's going, guys, I know we've been together, but I got to go. They're going to beat me. I'm going to suffer. I'm going to die. They're going to kill me. Don't worry, though. I'm coming back three days later. Now, these guys had seen it all. They'd seen miracles. They'd seen him raise people from the dead. They'd seen him turn water into wine. They've seen, they've seen him feed 5,000 people like we talked about last week. But they are going, okay, what? You got to go and be killed. I know that you told us it was going to happen, but we really didn't ever think it was going to. You got to go and be killed, and then you're going to come back. Really? I'm going to die and come back? Really? And Peter, talking about bless his heart, even though he'd seen all this happen, Peter was very upset to hear this. Peter was so mad and so angry because one of his best friends, dare I say his best friend, Jesus, who claimed to be the Messiah, was about to have to go and suffer and die for us, for humanity. 
And in Matthew chapter 16, verse 22, Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. You know what rebuke means? To go after him, to let him have it, to lambast him, to go, hey, this is not something that you should be doing. To the Messiah of the world who's claiming to be God, Peter, just a man, is going to rebuke him. He said, never, Lord, he said. This shall, don't miss this, this is so key. This shall never happen to you. These events had been foretold for centuries. And Peter, one of his disciples, is getting in the way going, Lord, never. This is never going to happen to you. And boy, was Jesus about to set him straight. And he said to him, he turned and he looked and he said, hey. Jesus turned and said to Peter, get behind me, Satan. The word that is used to describe the utmost evil in the world. The, world. the word that is used to describe the being that represents the most evil that has ever existed. That's what Jesus called Peter in that moment. One of his closest followers, one of his disciples. Get behind me, Satan. You're a stumbling block to me. You do not have in mind the concerns of God, but merely human concerns. And in Peter's mind, probably, I don't know, this isn't in the scripture, but in Peter's mind, he's probably going, I don't, even though I've seen him do all this, he's not coming back to life. They're going to kill him. He's not coming back. Because for a Jewish person, which is what Peter was, a dead Messiah is not a Messiah. It's not some, he would have to rise again. And do you know the amount of faith that that would take to believe that? Do you know the amount of faith that it would take to go and believe, okay, this guy says he's going to die and then he's coming back. Nobody in history has done it, but this guy's going to do it. So Peter was angry. He goes, no, no, no. Jesus, I've watched you do miraculous things. I've watched you heal people. I've watched, you're amazing. You're spreading this love movement. You can't go die. With all Peter had seen, he still didn't understand. With all Peter had seen, he still didn't understand. And then there was a moment in the scripture, an interaction between Jesus and Peter that is transformative to the life of Peter from that moment that he hears it from Jesus. In fact, then Jesus told Peter something he never thought he would hear. So I want you to do something for a second. I want you to think of your very best friend. Maybe it's your spouse. Maybe it's your brother. Maybe it's your actual non-family blood best friend in your life. Someone who you would give your life for. Someone who you would say, listen, I will go to the end with you. I'd give you the shirt off my back. I'd give you my, I'd give you my house. You've got a place to stay. I'd give my life for you. Imagine who that is for you in your life. Maybe it's one of your kids. I don't know. See, because Peter felt that way about Jesus. And in Luke 22, verses 33 through 34, Jesus and Peter were talking. And Peter said, Lord, I'm ready to go to prison with you. Jesus, I know who you are. I've seen it, I believe it. I'm ready to go to prison with you and to even to die with you, even though he didn't understand it all. This is how committed Peter was to Jesus. This is how close of friends they were. And then Jesus told Peter something that changed his entire life. And Peter never ever thought it would happen, but Jesus said this. He said, but Jesus said, Peter, I love this. Let me tell you something. I love that language. Let me, let me, let me inform you. Let me, let me tell you something. Before the rooster crows tomorrow morning, this was when Jesus was going to die, you will deny three times that you even know me. What? No way. 
If I was Peter, I'd be going, come on, knock. I just told you I love you. I would go to prison with you. I'd die. Have you seen the Broward County Jail? Like, who wants to be there, right? right? I mean, who, who wants to go there? But, but Peter's going, Lord, I'm going there for you. Like, I'm going there. They can lock me up, throw away the key, right? I'm gonna, I'll die for you. Put me on a cross next to you. Jesus goes, I don't know. Brother, when this happens, it's going to get ugly, and you're going to deny you even know me. And Peter goes, no, no, no. I'm not going to do that. I'd never do that. But then, in a moment, Jesus is arrested, and Peter reacts. Because I don't know if you knew this about Peter, because you saw it in our opening video. This guy not only had struggled with doubt, he struggled with anger, but he had a temper as well. He got fired up a lot, like some of us in this room get fired up a lot. And make mistakes when our anger overflows. We've talked about anger at Downtown Harbor Church a lot before. Maybe you're somebody who's got a short fuse. Peter's somebody who had a short fuse. And in Matthew chapter 18, right after Jesus was arrested, it said, Then Simon Peter, who had a sword, drew it and struck the high priest's servant, cutting off his right ear. So imagine the scene. Jesus, who's foretold his arrest, his trial, his death, and resurrection. In the moment, there in this garden, right, where he was arrested, it happens, and Peter is there. Peter knows that this is coming, and he's so hot, he's so mad, he's so angry, he takes out a sword and cuts off someone's right ear, right? And they don't have a Broward Health trauma team there to fix this guy up, right? This is not the times that we're living in. And you can just imagine Jesus' reaction. Going what, knowing what he's going to go through in just a few moments and watching his disciples, his closest followers, who he's instructed act the way that they act. It goes on, Matthew 18, 11, Jesus commanded Peter, put your sword away, put it down, stop. I can just imagine him going, Peter, gosh, hit the cool off button, man. We've talked about this. We've reviewed this. Put your sword away. Shall I not drink the cup that my father has given me? You know what that means? Jesus knew what was coming. This has been ordained and deemed long ago by God, this ever-present creator of the universe who's bigger than we could ever ask for under, or understand or imagine. Jesus knew this was coming. Should I not drink from the cup my father has given me? So Jesus was arrested, even though he didn't do anything wrong. They still couldn't find anything wrong with him when they put him on trial. But they gave him to the crowds and eventually put him to death, as we know. But then, as Jesus is on trial, and sure enough, Peter is approached as Jesus is on trial. And the scripture tells us that he was by a fire, warming his hands. And I can just tell you in this moment, I don't know because I wasn't there and none of us were there, but I can only tell you what I foresee to be Peter's emotional state at this point in time. And some of us have been here before in our lives. Peter is an anxious mess. He is an anxious mess. And probably if we had seen the guy who was our leader get hauled off to trial and prison and jail, we'd probably be an anxious mess too. You know why? Because we've been associated with him. But... Peter said to Jesus, I'll never leave your side. I'm loyal to you, right? Those of us who in the room deal with anxiety, and this has been documented at a very detailed level, we'd be reaching for the volume at this point. Like that's what we, we, we would be doing. We'd be going, give me, give me as many as you can, right? Because I know what's coming. And then somebody walked by and they said, 
hey, someone asked him. In fact, it was a little girl who walked by first. And he said, hey, you, there by the fire, aren't, aren't you one of Jesus' disciples? Aren't you one of Jesus' closest followers? Aren't you one of the people who stood by his side? You know what he said? And he said, no. First time. And then it goes on. It's documented in the book of John, fourth book in the New Testament of the scripture. And then it said, meanwhile, Simon Peter was standing there warming himself. This is the second time. So they asked him, you aren't one of his disciples too, are you? You aren't one of his, are, are, are you one of his disciples too? The second time, he denied it, saying, I am not. And then one of the high priest's servants, a relative of the man whose ear Peter had cut off, challenged him. Didn't I see you with him? Hey, didn't I see you with him in the garden? Weren't you there? Now, one, two, three, three times, just as Jesus had told him what happened. And he said, no, no way. Again, Peter denied it. And at that moment, a rooster began to crow. So I said to my buddy John this week, the guy who makes the bad coffee and does the announcements, I said to him, I said, um, I said uh, hey, I said, uh, at this point in time, I think we should put a sound effect in the message, the rooster crowing. He goes, what is this, a theater production? I said, and he said, so you missed out on the rooster sound effect, but I, I wanted it in there anyway. We vetoed that, okay? Anyway, but a rooster began to crow. Think about it for a second. Think about now the mess that is Peter. We talked about last week after the feeding of the 5,000 when Peter was walking on water and then doubted Jesus because he looked around and saw all the storms and he lost his faith and sank and Jesus sat down, came down and rescued him. And then we look at Peter actually telling Jesus, I will never leave your side. I will never do this. And then he denied him three times. Anger with a temper, cutting off someone's ear. When Jesus tells him that he's gonna have to go die, Peter goes, no, you're not, Lord. Basically saying, I know better than you do. What a mess. This guy is one of his closest followers. What a, what a mess. Imagine for a second being Peter at this point. Imagine the emotion of watching what is happening with Jesus. Watching what is happening with your best friend who's claimed to be the savior of the world. Saying you would never, ever, ever, ever betray him. Will never betray you. I will never leave your side. I'll be there forever. I'll do anything for you. I got you. And then you do. And you go, well, that's over. With all I've seen, with all I've experienced, I'm just throwing in the towel. That's it. I'm going away from this. I'm walking away. And I'm done. And Jesus, I don't know you. So in that moment, I just want to tell you something. And throughout this message, there's been a common theme. And this is the common theme. Peter messed up. Peter messed up. But do you want to know something interesting? If you think back to what I talked about last week, and if you weren't here, you can always catch up online. You want to know what's interesting, even though Peter messed up? There was a moment in Jesus' life and his interaction with Peter when he looked at Peter and he said, Peter, let me tell you who you are. You're no longer going to be called Simon. You're going to be called Peter. And I'm going to change your name to Peter. Do you know what Peter means? It means rock. Petros is the name in Greek. It means rock. And on this rock, 
I will build my church. Meaning that Jesus was choosing Peter to go be a vessel to spread the message regardless. Don't miss this. This is so key. Regardless of what a mess he was. Regardless of his faults, regardless of his screw-ups, regardless of his betrayal of him, Jesus still said, no, 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 you're the guy who's going to be one of the founders of this faith, who's going to go spread it and be a vessel for the message to spread. In fact, after Jesus was resurrected in Mark chapter 16, 7, this is what he said, right? This is what he said, now go tell his disciples, including Peter. Peter is mentioned by name after Jesus is resurrected, even after he denied knowing him three times, that Jesus is going ahead of you to Galilee. You will see him there just as he told you before he died. That's how important Peter was. And here's what I want you to know. Throughout his life, we were to probably sit back and look at Peter He'd probably look like one of my high school buddies who was doing the exact same thing and who we might go, what a screw up. Somebody doesn't have it all together. How can this person be chosen by Jesus? But Jesus chose him regardless of his faults, regardless of all of his imperfections, regardless of everything that he did wrong. Jesus still said, you're my guy on the rock who I will build my church. Go out and tell people about it. So for us, what's the practical? Because at Downtown Harbor Church, we always bring it back to this one word, the practical. We always do it. We always say, okay, what can, how can we hear this message on a Sunday and then put it into practice in our lives on a Monday? What's the practical for us? Well, first, it's just a recognition, okay? The first thing that's the practical this week is just a recognition. And here's the recognition, right? You will mess up. You will mess up. Now, this is a guarantee. I guarantee very few things. But if you look back at your life, you will mess up. You will mess up again. You've messed up in the past. And so what we need to do is recognize this. Now, allow me to say something. At Downtown Harbor Church, one of the other things we talk about is continually making wise decisions. In any aspect of our life that we can, we consistently say this phrase, I need to make the wise choice. Not what is the right thing to do, what is the wrong thing to do, but what is the wise thing to do. In light of my past experiences, current circumstances, and future hopes and dreams, you've heard that, you will hear it again. What is the wise thing to do? Understanding this is not an excuse to mess up and to sin. It's just an understanding that all of us at some level stumble or all of us fall. And so we have to understand that just like Peter, we at some level will mess up. So the next thing is this. Once we do mess up, we need to also do something else. We need to do this. We need to not let mistakes ruin our life. Because you know what? Peter could have taken his mistakes and just fallen right out of the game. He could have gone, you know what? I can't do this. I've messed up too bad. God can no longer use me because I'm so awful and the things that I've done, the things that I've done cannot be redeemed. With God, everything can be redeemed every single day. But so often we think that we've done things that are too awful and too wrong. On Facebook this week, we posted about our bottom line and we posted 
on the Downtown Harbor Church page that we've heard people say, well, you know, I've been invited to church before, but I think that if I came into the building, lightning might strike it. Might be true for some of you, but not all of you. What I'm saying is, is that's not true, especially not here. Don't let mistakes ruin your life to think that you can't get back in the game, no matter how bad it's gotten, no matter how rough it is. Don't let it ruin your life. And some of you have made little mistakes. Some of Peter's mistakes were little. Some of you have made gargantuan, big-time mistakes, and you need help. So the other practical for this week is, I want you to know this. If you need help, it's time to get it. It's time to get help wherever you need it, wherever you're at. Some of you don't. Some of it's little, but some of you need help right where you're at. Don't fall so far away that you can never come back. If you need help, get it. Here's the last thing I want you to know. And I know this because of the life of Simon Peter, who eventually became known as Peter the Rock. This is one thing I know, and every single person should take this away from here. This is your take home. Put this in your heart. Don't forget it. Take it with you throughout your week. Place it on your phone or put it, write it somewhere because it's so true. And if we believe this, our life can be changed. Here, here, here's what the key is. Jesus loves you in light of your mistakes. And you know how I know that? Because there was a guy who was a huge screw-up, Peter. And Jesus said, I love you anyway. I'll never leave your side. I'll be right there for you. I'm never going anywhere. Regardless of how bad it gets, regardless of how bad you screw up, you're my guy. And here's just what I want you to know, and it's a simple one today. It's our bottom line. Every service we close with just one simple statement that I think that is so powerful and impactful to each one of our lives should we listen to it and apply it and put it into practice every single day. This is what I just want you to know. God uses people who, makes mis who make mistakes. What if, don't miss this, what if your mistake could stop being guilt and could turn into restoration and redemption so that you could help someone else who might have been in the same exact position? What if your mistake could leave your heart and mind every single day and you could have a recognition and a realization that God loves you regardless of what you've done? And I only know that because I believe the most important thing about the scriptures for us to understand is that those stories, that history that happened all those years ago are examples for us to follow and live by all these thousands of years later today. And I know that this was true then, and this is true today. So if you need help, get it. But God uses people who make mistakes. How's he going to use you? What story are you going to tell? What is your life going to scream week in and week out? Let him use you, because God uses people who make mistakes. Let me pray. Father, Thank you for who you are. We always start by just saying thank you for who you are. And God, there are people in this room, much like Peter did, who've messed up big time. It's been a while at Downtown Harbor Church since we've looked at the life of Peter. But one of your best friends appeared, at least from our perspective, to be a total mess. And you used him anyway. So God, we collectively confess to you today that we've all made mistakes. Some people know about, some people don't. But I pray that you would heal our hearts, that you would bind our hearts and heal those wounds so that we could understand that you are a God who is a restorer and a redeemer. And if we say yes to you that we're made right, or yes to Jesus that we're made right with you, God, help us to do that. 
because we know that you love us anyway regardless you love people even throughout their mistakes so God heal hearts in this room right here right now today we feel your presence we pray that you'd guide us and keep us in Jesus name amen